You're listening to the Legendarium Blue Team. Welcome. You have chosen wisely. Please go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. We don't have monsters. We don't have aliens. Utah is a good place to live. Nothing like this ever happens in Utah. <laughs> F this, I'm moving to Utah. Little little does Bob know. Uh... <laughs> Welcome to the Legendarium. We are the blue team, and I gotta tell you, some of us may be just a little bit blue because of what we're going to be talking about today. We are going over Battleground. Uh, I'm Todd Wente, your host. We've got Ken. We've got Megan. I thought that was one of your least successful intros. Um, thank you, that. but I think it was also probably one of my most honest. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, uh, but still. It's just, it's just me. But I, I, I'll tell you this much. From So I finished reading the book. I finished listening to the book 10 days ago. And... I have been somewhat depressed for 10 days. Yeah. It has been uh, this, this in, in all of the very best ways. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I put the book down and I sat there for a minute and I went, I, I'm out of Dresden. <laughs> I, I am out of Dresden books. Will, I, 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 I'm, I'm Megan. I'm kind of glad cause I'm going to need some time. I'm really not okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. I understand. I liked it a lot, but I'm really not okay. Well, I had to, and I'm. I mean, these guys finished it ten days ago, and I finished it four days ago because I had to put it down for a couple of days. I put my book in the freezer. Wow. And let it sit. Like literally in the freezer? No, it's on my oh, phone, okay. so I okay. didn't want to actually do that. But I was going to say mind, it was in the freezer. <laughs> well, it sounds I'm like trying we've to make got a cold related lots joke. on this book to unpack. Uh, lots that we liked, I think, and lots that we <laughs> are to going to are going to need to talk about. For this a while. book is called Battleground, by the way. We, I don't think we mentioned that. Did we not say that? I thought everybody. I thought everybody else knew. That's, that, hey, we're talking about much. Battleground. Yeah, gonna be spoilers. The, the the most recent, the most recent of the Dresden books that we weren't sure we were going to get to on time. And we should point out right off the top. I know everybody who listens to this book or who listens to our podcast already knows, but this book came out like three weeks ago. So spoilers, 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 spoilers abound. Do not listen to this. If you have not yet read battleground or any of the books preceding it, because spoilers, spoilers. And abound. It's just so fun reading it for yourself and finding out all this stuff for yourself. Yes. Yes. I agree. Yeah. And if you don't care about spoilers and Hey, listen, we love having you. So Ken, do you have a recap for us? Oh yeah. I mean, the last time you gave us like half a recap cause it was half a book. Well, and I finished the recap this time. <laughs> Go ahead. So, all right. When we last left our intrepid band, one eyed a one eyed Titan was coming to destroy Chicago with her arm, her army of frogmen. I typed in arm. I don't know what I'm doing. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, here we are. It feels like a setup to a joke, and a more creative recapper would have one. But at the <laughs> the invasion turns into Chicago. Wow. <sighs> This is how much I love this book is I just can't, I can't read. I, I don't know what I'm doing. We could turn on a light. I'm starting over. I don't care. When we last left our intrepid band, a one-eyed Titan was coming to destroy Chicago with her army of frogmen. It feels like the setup to a joke and a more creative recapper would have one. <sighs> that feels better. But <laughs> the invasion turned Chicago into one 
big 300-page battleground. Eh, battleground. Uh, uh, a nice yeah. one done. And leaves mortal Chicago with one of three options, run, hide, or fight. Fortunately, a quick canvas of the south side rounds up enough manpower and firearms. Yeah, it does. Unfortunately, they can't hit in the clutch. Ooh, White Sox joke. <laughs> it's a baseball thing. Uh, Everybody. Just made enemies of the south side of Chicago. I don't care. Go Cubs. <laughs> Everybody gets a chance at some action, even creatures we haven't seen in a dozen or so books. Wizards battling alongside ghouls, winter fighting alongside summer, Santa Claus delivering presents with a lot more lethal variety. Even an ice giant being taken down by one spunky little former cop with a smaw. Need to take a moment here to pour one out for Don't take a moment, just plow through. All right. We uh, will. I'm going to delete this line just for Megan there. But, but hey, at least we know where Thorn and Namshiel's coin had ended up. And boy, we really kind of let that obvious guess slide. But hey, it makes sense because he's obviously always been Harry's arch enemy and the big bad of the series, that he being Johnny Marcone. Yeah. And that's not even the biggest shocking change. Harry and Strikeforce Dresden managed to bind a mad titan, confirming the, her reservation to Club Demon Reach and giving Harry a really groovy trinket for his trouble. But a lot of collateral damage was left in her wake, and Harry's finally drummed out of the White Council, which could be a problem, except it seems like the White Council is on the outs with the Unseelie Accords, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of thousands injured, and that's not even including the supernatural beings, so oh, it was 60,000 60, people dead, not including the countless supernatural beings, hundreds of thousands injured. There we go. We're on track now. And now it was, uh, as was Ethnew's aim, the existence of the supernatural world is now on the mortal world's radar. Oh, and Justine is out in the open and has a big nemesis in her head, so that's fun. Seriously, it feels like it shouldn't have taken 15 and two half books for this uh, much change to happen, and suddenly we're all cut up and everything feels hollow because we have no more Dresden. For a while. Sorry. But I have a lot of questions. I'm sure you do. I do. So what's an appropriate name for Harry and Michael's new community center? (laughs) Just just think of that one for a second. Any bets on how soon we see Valkyrie Murphy back and that she jumps the whole wait until your memory is past rule? Because I think she does. Um, So so Mac was an angel. That feels like something we should have probably guessed that as an option. Just saying. We officially have ourselves a starborn count. Dracul joins the list. How about Listen, the Fomor guy who's a little bit more than a Fomor? Plus, Mm -hmm. I'm speculating that Elaine is on there, so... Elaine uh, and Harry are oh, the same yeah, age. Elaine and Harry are the same age. So three more outsiders now, other potential outsiders. He who walks underneath, he may be p- part Svartelf. He who walks backward, he who walks on his hands, he who walks too loud in the apartment upstairs, and he who won't stop and ask for directions. Yeah. That's the worst one. Wait a minute. Uh, I think that one is Ken. <laughs> oh. No, that's he who doesn't need to ask for directions. Oh, that's right. Okay. And uh, last question. How big of a problem is it going to be that the black court is back and now they showed up back to take advantage of some convenient recruitment opportunities? Eh, That could be a thing. And that's it. Recap mercifully done. But Bob, if you need a place to stay while you're in Utah, I have a shelf available for you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That was my very favorite part because I read that and I was like, no, it's true. We don't have monsters. We don't have aliens. Utah is a good place to live. That was so funny. Utah. Nothing like this ever happens in Utah. <laughs> F little, this. I'm moving to Utah. F this. Little, little does Bob know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've we been, have gale force winds. That's uh, about we, it. Oh my gosh. I'll, I'll, I'll fill you guys in. All right. Um, <laughs> All right. Anyway, that I, I know something. That recap was better written than read. So um, <laughs> if anybody wants a copy of it. And... 
<laughs> yeah. Ken's going to no, frame right. it. <sighs> um, I don't think that Harry's new fortress is going to be a community center because he's talking about how he has all these enemies that he needs to be in, be safe from. And I just don't see that happening if people are just coming in and out all the time. No, but it would be weird if just he and Maggie and baby brainchild were all living together in that huge place. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm, I, I guess when we got to the end of the book and they were talking about it, I saw that more of being a hostel where uh, like fugitives all the can go and stay. Where, where fugitives from the White Council or those who are not going to be protected by the Unseelie Accords but need some kind of magical protection. Or those, those mortals who are dispossessed of their homes and such because, you know, big giant shooting eye. Yeah, so. that's kind of, you know, there's, there, are, there are a lot of directions to go for that. And I guess we're going to have to wait two years. Let's start about that. Let's start with that, though. Let's start with the aftermath, because, I mean, this is what Ethne's endgame was, right? She wanted, well, obviously she wanted to destroy as much as possible, but her ultimate aim was, I want to bring the supernatural world um, into the awareness of the mortal world. I think Ethne was a pawn. Of? There's always a bigger Nemesis. There's always a bigger fish. I think all of this was orchestrated by Nemesis. And the reason that I say that is because I think, remember we go back, this is this is the one piece of this entire process that I felt was poorly handled. And the only reason I'm saying poorly handled is because I'm sure that Jim Butcher has a plan for the next book where he's going to start exploring it. Mm. We still got Thomas locked away. We still have no idea how Nemesis pulled these strings. We've got Harry saying, I think I know how Nemesis pulled these strings to get Thomas to go and try and assassinate the leader of the Svartal. Basically to distract Harry and, from everything else happening. And to distract the Unseelie, the, and, and to sow discontent oh, sure. in the Unseelie Accord members, signer, signatories, which is what she was trying to do earlier in a couple of other, uh, a couple of the short stories. We see that right. that was being sown along the way for quite some time. She's been trying to break up the Unseelie Accords to make them vulnerable so that she could take them out individually and not have to worry about fighting them all together. Right. It, it doesn't seem like speculation at this point. I mean, it, it was said in the book that the nemesis has been in her head for several books now, right? Yeah. And, so. and, and yet Thomas is still in, uh, con, uh, constrained in the Island. Mm -hmm. And we, that, that piece feels like a huge leftover hanging thread that, just needs to be clipped somehow. I'm I'm very unsatisfied with how that was ended. See, and that's why I don't think Marcone is the big bad. I think he's finally worthy of being the big bad now that he's one of the Knights of the Black and Denarius. But it's Nemesis that's orchestrating all, like she's putting all of these pieces together and Marcone's taking advantage of it. But I, I, I just think that Nemesis is a lot more clever and I, a lot more insidious. And as Mab would say, like immortality, you can take your time with things, which Nemesis is. Really quickly, just as a point of clarification, and it doesn't matter one way or the other, is Nemesis a woman just because she's because it's in a woman's head, or is Nemesis know. a woman? I don't think. Or I, does Nemesis have a gender? I think Nemesis is a a cosmic force and can be whatever it is she needs to be. Okay, we're calling it she because she's in because she's in right Justine. Now. I like it because she's in Justine right now. Works for me. I, At least that's why I was. I don't know. Me too. Me too. I, I don't I don't so think like, that, you know, you call your ship a woman, even though. Yeah, I wish I had a ship to and call your car a woman. and me your too. gun. Uh, my, yeah. my, well, 
Yeah, I guess I do my gun too. <laughs> that's right. That's all. That's all the farther we're going with that you, one. You treat your gun like you treat your lady. You know? What was? What was? Never mind. We won't go with that. No, I was going. Right. Let's just I was stop going to go all of that firefly right now. for just a second. We'll stop. I call her Vera. So the the question. So if we if if we're if we're at the end, do we want to work our way backwards through this, or do we want to just kind of jump around? How do we haven't even talked about how we're going to approach this one? It. My gosh. We always there's... have a plan, and then it never happens. It's like Harry's. Harry's plans. It's like when we, he we comes kind up of, with a plan and then it's gone in the first three minutes we and kind of they do, just don't make we? it up. It's we like kind the, of do it it's like the every other time Harry. we're like, how are we going to approach this? And then we just talk about what we want to talk about. You know, we, we need to, to call that. We need to call that pulling a Dresden from now from this day forward. That's what it's called. Love I was going to say it's like the other Harry Hermione. When of our plans ever worked? <laughs> oh, there yeah. is that. So yeah. so let me. Can I tell you what I what I found fascinating about this book? Sure. Yes. Uh, or one of the things that I found fascinating about this book. In 29 chapters, we cover about four hours. I know, right? Yeah. It was one of the most detailed, action-packed books I have ever read in my life. And I was I, I literally... From the moment that we started, that I started listening to it, from the moment that it hit my download queue and I got the green light that we could go ahead and start listening to it, mm -hmm. I was, I, I almost called in sick to work. I did not. Uh, but I did wind up doing long walks at night. Yeah. By the way, listening to this book while walking at night, listening to all of the stuff that's going on, not necessarily one of my smartest moves, <laughs> especially when the neighbor's big, uh, Alaskan Malamute dog came loping up beside me. There were a couple of moments. And yes, I might have been listening to that when Dracul was being introduced. <laughs> that was a little bit unnerving. <laughs> but but my goodness, the pacing on this book, I, I, I felt was just absolutely spot on. Yeah. If there was a moment that I could say to myself, you know what, Jim, if and if I had the opportunity to say this to Jim Butcher, I would say, the pacing in this book was spot on. This was one of the most expertly crafted pieces of, uh, granted, you know, maybe maybe not uh, maybe not literature that's that is uh, of a caliber of uh, Romeo and Juliet and something that's going to survive for three hundred years. But you know what? Maybe it will because it was so well put together and so cleanly connected from moment to moment and just carried everybody along. I loved it. You know, you're you're going to have the chance to tell him that. Shh, we aren't telling people we'll, that yet, are we? We'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, so I am curious how you think it would have been if Peace Talks and Battleground had been one book. Because definitely the first couple of chapters reading, I was like, okay, yeah, this definitely feels like the next part in Peace Talks slash Battleground. Yeah. Battle Peace Ground. <laughs> that doesn't work. Yes, it did. <laughs> battle Peace, peace Talks. Battle, battle Peace Talks? Peace Battle. Anyway, peace Battle. Peace Battle. That's better. Um... It doesn't fit the mold, but it's better. I know. Uh, I just, I very much felt like, I mean, it, it literally picks up where Peace Talks ended. Absolutely. They're still on the ship. Yep. Which is which and is so why I call it 15 and, 15 and two halves books. Yeah. Yep. It really it really should have been one book. Moments. So for me, though, I'll, I'll tell you, if, if it had been two, if it had been one book, mm -hmm. if it had been two books put into one, 
um, quite frankly, it would have been a Sandersonian epic. It, and it, yeah, and it would have been, been... I don't think it would have fit together as nicely as we wanted it to. I think I would have been okay with it because you, what you could have done, in fact, what as I was reading that, if we were to have put it together, all I would have suggested for, for Mr. Butcher if he was going to put it together, and I had been his editor, is I would have said, okay, you get all of this taken care of. Why don't you put in a quick little interlude, much the way that Brandon Sanderson has done in many of his books, yep. to make a clear delineation between these two these two facets of the of the material so it's like the carpenters getting ready for anti-battle and <laughs> and these then these people show up and they say you need to come with us why do we need to come with you because i said so mom no, and molly's right spoiled. there well it would have or you could have done you you could have done uh you could have done uh ebenezer mccoy coming sure. to himself when he's on the when he's on the dock Oh, sure. And has and, to deal with all of the things and then get himself back to Marcone's. You could have had uh, Marcone giving us a, a glimpse into the fact that Marcone had a, a an ace up his sleeve or a coin in his forehead. Yeah. So Or toot toot. There are lots oh, of... Oh, Oh, man. She loves me. <laughs> it was yeah, so funny. It's just hard to find somebody else. <laughs> it's, it was so cute. It was... Those two cracks the me honeymooners up. is what it is. This is <laughs> yeah. The honeymooners at about three at, at about thirteen inches. Bam! Oh, right to the moon, Lacuna. Yeah, well, actually, I think it's Lacuna that's going to be sending two to it. But that's if if it had been one book. If it had been one book, I think you could have done it that way. However, I get it. As I've thought about it later, I get it. Butcher recognizes his fan base. He recognizes what they've come to expect. He recognizes how things work, and so he has put together something that works. Um, the The thing that I think is interesting about that um, is that had it been put together as as a as a single book, mm -hmm. it might start setting as a, 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 an expectation that all of the books from this point forward would be this double epic, length. Huge. Yeah, this. Yeah, and that's so. A good point. To make it two books feels smart from a from a yeah. uh, uh, from a community standpoint. Well, and it's fun. Read I, that's one of my things that I love about reading a series is that you do get like this overall story that's kind of it's become less episodic as the series has gone along, which is definitely true of these last two books. They work as separate books. I mean, Peace Talks yeah. is somewhat unsatisfactory. But it's nice that Butcher insisted on releasing them as close to each other as possible because he oh, knew yeah. that it would be unsatisfactory. That oh, yeah. is, and that yeah. it was supposed to be one book and that really, like, you needed the whole arc from both of them yeah. in order for Peace Talks to be not obnoxious. Yeah, I agree. It I agree. still reinforces my belief that Peace Talks didn't need nearly as much of what it had in it to make these two yeah. books one. He, he beefed it up so he, that he it really, could be its own thing. Yeah, and I think that was a fault of the editing. I don't I don't believe it was necessarily a fault of We're not gonna rehash our butcher. last episode. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Anyway, yeah. they there was there was a lot that was in peace talks that I didn't think needed to be there. And I think that yeah. these I think these two books could have been one book. So uh we're talking about the aftermath. Does that include Harry's new betrothal? Oh yes. Oh my goodness. I forgot to mention that. Oh that by the way. Was... That was literally I I admit it was a little too much battle for me in the book. So when we got to that part, I was like, 
Okay, something I can actually talk about again now. All right. Yeah. Harry is apparently betrothed because that's what happens with the winter night. You that know, is hilarious. So I when when that <laughs> happened, I I I lost it. When you're when I you're living really, a fae life, you play by fae rules, and this is what you get. <laughs> I I I lost it. I was not. I was not. I was going to say you lost, lost it, it angry? in the. Did lost you, it angry. You had to put your book in the freezer for a couple days? Uh, no, I, I read it and read it and read it, and then I went, <laughs> that's about yeah. as close as I get to using bad language. Well, it was language funny because I went back time. to the beginning and, you know, going through my notes, and uh, Lara and Molly just have had beef with each other this entire book anyway. Yeah. And so when that came up and Molly's standing there, she's just like, what? What is happening? Yeah. I hate everything. You know, some of the moments that, that Harry and Molly had had and Molly's like, you're my night too. And yeah. All those kinds of things. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, is Map just finding one more way to stick it to everybody? Oh, yeah. Well, and I just think about it and I'm like, logistically, how would that work? Like, they obviously couldn't live together because Harry would never get anything done. But also he would never let Molly get close to Lara and also Brain Baby, whose name I wasn't actually really unclear on. But I don't Bonnie? remember Bon, maybe I don't I remember. Like they called her three remember. different names, and all of them I don't know. But um, somebody's screaming it right now. I know it we'll feels like it something out. that we should know. But thank you care. for knowing it. I'm I sorry care. I don't. Um, this is how little I care about Brain Baby right now. Uh, right now, who knows? Who, I who knows? It'll in the be next, important later. Who knows? I in think the next she's going to be very important later. But I don't care right now. That's how much I don't yeah. care. Is I'm not but even yeah, bothering like to I look just, up her name. You know, Mab throws out this suggestion. And you're like on the surface. It's not a terrible idea. I, I'm glad, though, that they both objected because of terrible timing. And Lara was like, this was not what I had in mind. <laughs> like, Lara, def it's it's interesting because Harry has all these women who are interested in him. But none of them want to be second choice. They don't. I mean, no woman wants to be second choice to any man. Let's be honest. Yes. They want to be the first choice. Always. Um, You know, but Lara sees what Harry has gone through. And she's also like has all these conflicting feelings where she's like, I have been wanting to bed Harry for all this time. But also he just imprisoned my brother. So I have to keep him alive. And I really don't know how I feel about all of this. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, and the other thing, the other thing that that puts all of this, at, for me at least, into perspective is, OK, Harry gives into the winter night, into, into the into the winter mantle. Mm -hmm. And he and Lara have. Really athletic relations, right? Right. Sure. But and it's not even Harry, real they won't they. Because <laughs> you know at some point. But for Harry, that leaves him then addicted, infected, yeah. Yeah. controlled, compromised. I mean, all of these kinds of things and not protected because the last time, I mean, let's be clear, Lara can't touch him right now. Oh, yeah. Because the last time they were together, yeah, the last time Harry was true. with anybody was Murphy. Yep. Yeah. And the love, the love that Murphy and Harry share means that he can't be touched. Right. That is so, true. That's a good point. So how in the world is this one going to work? I'm if if the next if the next book isn't is entitled uh, Holy Matri Unholy Matrimony <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. I would not be disappointed for figuring out how they're going to make a whole it's book around the wedding and figure out how to. I, cause, cause right now I'm kind of going, hmm, that's the, there is nothing about this that can work except that they sleep in separate rooms. They show up for state functions and it's all just on paper so that everybody is kind of sure. clear. You, you know, there's a name for the next book already, right? No, I didn't. Yeah. 
Is it unholy matrimony? It's not. That would have been funny though. I don't even know if the numbers, <laughs> if the number of uh, letters work out in that, but it's called mirror mirror. Mm. Uh, so. I'm but. just going to apologize right now because I just realized I think I said that Harry would never let Molly and the brain baby live in the same place with Laura. I meant but you Maggie. Maggie. Oh yeah, their names are too similar. Yeah, I know. That's well, that is one of, in my opinion, but you one know of that Mouse would failings. never let that happen either. Oh, what? can uh, you imagine that? There is nothing about marital <laughs> bliss that enters into the mind of Harry. And Lara. Well, and that's not the purpose. It's all very This is very state. Yeah, this is a very state. This is state. So it's not really about having like a successful marriage. It's more about Mab waving her power in front of other people's Mm -hmm. faces. This is this is purely for political uh, what's the well, I want to say machinations, but that's not the word I was looking for, but we'll use it. Yeah, I am curious though, because Lara was as surprised as anyone. (laughs) <laughs> and I wonder who she had in mind when she asked Mab. She's like, oh, yeah, I want some kind of marital alliance or some I kind of alliance. I think she thought that Thomas and Molly. Oh, sure. Because oh. Molly has been jonesing for Thomas for quite some time as well. I feel like she didn't expect it to be, when she said she wanted there to be a connection between the white court and winter, I don't think she expected it to be marriage. Uh, okay. And that's possible too. That maybe maybe to have I made think, some kind of an uh, some kind of an agreement within the accords. Yeah, I think she wanted an agreement, but she didn't realize that the agreement was this is how you get the agreement. This is an, a right. literal union, right? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because that's that's a place where Lara has power there, where it's kind of like Queen Elizabeth the first, where she could like dangle a political alliance. You could marry me. I'm the queen. You can't do better than that. And so for Lara to kind of be tossed off and be like, oh, and you're going to marry this. And she's like, um, I'm sorry, I'm in charge. What? Yeah. You don't get to decide that. Yeah. That's that's my that was my take on it is I don't think she expected that to be the alliance. And obviously, when you're the queen of air and darkness, Mm. you're in a lot better position than anybody else around you. Before we get into things that are going to make us cry, uh, can we talk about since you just brought up the queen of air and darkness? Can we talk about the vulnerability that Mab showed? in this book and how interesting it is to see Mab when she is not the biggest, scariest person in the room. Yeah. I thought some of those conversations between her and Harry, where she actually shows some of her, you know, I wasn't always immortal vulnerabilities were very interesting. So, um, and, I don't have any I, specific examples, but I, I see I Megan thought going through her notes already. So I don't have anything to say about that. Huh. Well, in that case, then I guess I'll jump in. Well, I guess Do we're it. done. And then, just, well, maybe not. We're, I, we're I, or maybe we are. I'll say something and y'all look at me and go, okay, Todd, thank you. Todd's that was smarter. stupid. We're moving thank on Thank you now. for Todd's taking one for the team, Todd. smarter than we are. <laughs> there, Thanks for being insightful. There is, a, there is something really interesting about the difference between Mab, who was mortal, and Ethnew, who never was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way that the two of those characters work with power. Mab recognizes her power comes from choices. I'm not sure Ethniu does. Ethniu hates. It's a choice to hate. That's where her power comes from. But she has been so consumed by it. I mean, it sounds like I'm giving, you know, dialogue from the first Star Wars trilogy. I apologize. (laughs) But um, 
but I, but I, it really felt Fear to leads me. To anger. Anger <laughs> leads to hate. Hate leads to, to suffering. suffering. Um, I, I don't hate those movies, you guys. I really, I, I don't hate them. I just hate some of the, anyway. We'll, I especially don't hate them after the last three came out. I Never mind. Tangent. We're not We're coming back. Not We're, the coming back. We're coming back. But Harry would approve of that tangent. Harry, Harry would approve of the Star so Wars Molly. The, the, the really, and so would Jim, the really interesting thing for me is that this is, this is a clear, for me at least, it's a clear illustration of a, of perhaps the biggest theme that runs through all of Butcher's material that we, we are accountable for our choices. And when we make them, we must own them. We must own the outcomes. We must own the process. Mm -hmm. And there is no escaping them. And in these two characters, we have an individual who acknowledges it and says, I, I took this on and I took it on for this reason and I will handle it. And we have another character who says, I don't have I don't have to fear anything. I don't have any problems. I'm this has all been happening around me. It's all my but it's not because there's not an acknowledgement of the fact that it was a clear choice. Ethnew, immortal and completely disconnected with the responsibility of her choices, at least as I read it. And and maybe maybe uh, maybe I'm completely up in the night. But that's how it feels. She doesn't recognize that these are choices. She feels like these are responses to situations that she has become a victim of. Yeah. But Mab stands up and says, no, I chose this and I will take you down. Yeah. I, one of my favorite quotes is, um, Mab has so many good things in it. Like, I, I love how much time she and Harry got to spend together in this because she really does treat him a little bit more like a mentor in this one. She's not trying to coerce him. She's not trying to force him for the most part. She's really just like, okay, and here's some little tidbits. And also now we're going to do this and now go do your thing. But one of my favorites is immortality offers a significant advantage, but it is no substitute for intelligent intelligence. Remember that young wizard. Yes. Yeah. There is, there is something. And, and Megan, you've hit on something that, I, that for me was really interesting about this book mm-hmm. for the last three books. Uh, ever since, Ever since uh, Changes? No. Yeah. Ever since Changes. Um, Harry has been, as, as, he's in, as he's interacted with Mab, he has drawn lines and he said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be your puppet. Yeah. You're not going to be able to push me into these things. And she has said repeatedly, finally, a winter night worth the trouble. Yeah. Or right. words to that effect multiple times. I think one of the things that we that we do not, understand or did not that i didn't understand i shouldn't say we because many many of you probably out there already did but but for me one of the things that i did not understand is that mab has never wanted in her court individuals who are not going to stand up for themselves Mm -hmm. she doesn't want sycophants yeah she wants actors Individuals who act and take responsibility for their actions and act with intention. And in Harry, that shows up in spades. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it comes with it comes with the uncomfortable conflict. But I think that as she's looking at that, because I think that the, the role of the winter night is not just the role 
of Mab's Hitman, of Mab's Fixer, of the Winter Court uh, Cleaner Upper, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I think there's something more specific that the Winter Knight is responsible for that we're going to be exposed to and given an opportunity to glimpse later on. Right. And I think part of that is uh, helping Mab keep a tie to humanity because he's not, I mean, he has a lot of cool mystical powers, but he's still very human. Um, but along the lines of what you've been saying, I, I also really like the quote, never once in your life, my knight, have you taken the easy road? I chose well. Yes. Like that's one of the things oh, she yeah. really values about him is that he, he sees the easy path, but he is like, no, that's not the right thing to do right now. And so he does what he has to, which often leads to a lot of cost to him personally and to the people around him. But he still does it because it's the right thing. And so do the people around him. There is one thing that as you were talking about it, that made me realize why I liked that part so much. And it is that it does a good job of painting Mab in a more developed sympathetic light you mm -hmm. yeah for for the first 13 books she is seen as <laughs> i i'm i've because cold days is 14 so right. we'll, we'll say the first 13 books mab is seen as just kind of a i am the, the immortal, queen of air and darkness queen of I air am and pure darkness evil, and i just sit I, evilly doing yeah. evil things so i do what i want because i have all this power she seems in the those books like ethnew Yes. I have all of this power and I do what I want because I have all this power and I, and I have no soul, but we see from cold <laughs> days. Am I, am I wrong? No, I mean, you're not wrong. I just <laughs> love the way you said that. And I have no, soul. and I have no soul, <laughs> but from, from cold days on, we get a chance to see that there is reason behind there's method behind the madness. Yes. And sometimes it literally is madness has been. But there's there's method behind the madness. And in this book, we get to see through the vulnerability, we get to see the reasons for for those those uh, methods, yeah. really. And and that she is playing a bigger game, especially when we see the outer gates in the last in skin game. We don't see in the last book. Well, I, I anyway, when we saw the outer gates, when we saw the outer gates, we'll just leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we get to see that she is playing a much bigger game and we get a, a good sense that it's not just her, it's all of summer and all of winter have these bigger points. And it, it really does make her more enjoyable as a character. Yes, it does. And I think I like that. Plus you can see that it's not, it, it gives us a chance to see that it's not a directive. She gives lightly when she tells Harry, if I die, yeah. you have to kill Molly. Okay, now that was a moment that I said to myself, okay. Yeah, at the moment Stop I said- the truck right yeah, now. At the moment I said, wait a gee darn minute, you know, <laughs> because there, there's no way that's happening. And then that's as the we get to go- Ken gets to swearing. I know, but I- It was adorable. <laughs> oh, it thanks. Wait, what can I say? But it, it's a moment where at the moment you go, that's not happening, but- then later in the book, when she starts to explain things that she is responsible for, you can understand when, why she would give a directive such but as that. But that just immediately made me go, okay, but if Mab is Mab is destroyed and then Harry has to get rid of Molly, like who's going to step who's into next? their places? Right. Like this is all very terrifying. This is a lot more chaos than they're yeah. already in the middle of. I think so. That's how 
firmly Molly, Mab feels about this. Is Leah the number three? Is that the is that the the trio at I the top? And, I, I I don't know if that's I don't know if that's really who would who would step into that role. But. I'm not sure either, and I'm not sure where she fits in the winter hierarchy or who her counterpart is on the summer side. Yeah, I, I, and and I don't, and I think that that's intentionally left a little bit. Vague I think it for is, us. but one of the one of the things I think that uh, about this about this we 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 are glimpsing something about winter that is very very different. In the battle, Harry talks about the the winter banner, and he talks mm -hmm. about the people that that flock to his banner, <laughs> and the people who flock to Molly's banner, mm -hmm. and the people and and you know I've always I've always thought about you know having a banner and a standard bearer and those kinds of things and right. what the value was in, especially a medieval conflict. And yet, as we're looking at this, what we're seeing is that the banner is not the, is not a physical thing. It is a psychic thing mm -hmm. that people sense. They recognize and they, and they move. They there rallied to Marcone's banner. They, they're different people rallied to different banners for different reasons. I'm sure. One of the things that, and, and Harry makes this reference and I apologize. I used to be so much better at finding direct quotes because I was reading the physical version rather than listening, but I, I do the best I can. There was a moment where he said, all of these, all of these creatures of winter, these, these absolute uh, terrifying nightmares given form are here to protect Chicago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had, I don't know about you guys, but I had this moment where I said to myself, okay, so throughout history, are there there this this is telling me that there are things so awful that the only thing that can fight them are monsters like this that's terrifying yeah yeah and it suddenly makes the outsiders and harry's job on demon reach so much more terrifying yeah yeah i don't know if you i don't know if it hit you guys that way but for me, and and maybe partly because, uh, I and and I've and I've commented on this before with with us here, and I think I've I've said it on the on the podcast too. My favorite my favorite moment in the first four books, four or five books, maybe mm -hmm. all the way up until you know, maybe all the way up until changes is is Harry's battle cry. I don't believe in fairies. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's right. That moment for me was like so much fun. <laughs> but I but I. I'm now looking at it and I'm saying to myself, I, I, I'm, I'm a person of faith and it puts into perspective how awful the things outside, the outsiders must truly be if the things that need to fight them have to be that awful, have to be the things of nightmares. Does it give you yeah. comfort? That the person who is wielding them, because Harry says at one point, my will became their will. Yeah. That the person who is in charge of all of that is somebody like Harry who has a moral compass, who truly cares about these people. And because it's Harry at the end when all of the, you know, supernatural baddies are all gathered together and Harry's like, wait a minute, you're all talking about the humans like they're your enemies. You guys brought this to them. If they are struggling and if they are angry... It's your fault because they were hosting you. Yeah. And when, they all go, ah, oh, crap, you're right. When Harry goes, when Harry says to the entire group of Malks, mm -hmm. not a human is to be harmed. Right? Right. And they were all like, oh, <laughs> fine. <laughs>
<laughs> but but do we get a do we get an also an image now of why Slade was such a horrible winter night? Yeah. It's not just that I mean he was not a person that had the ability to with withhold anything from anyone. Yeah, he was all about the perks and not yeah. the responsibility. He was a bad yes. dude going in. And that's the thing. I I think that the winter mantle has a tendency to amplify whatever comes into it. It certainly amplifies yeah. I mean Harry has those... the 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 hormones, it amplifies the violence. So probably it amplifies some of those other pieces too. I, I feel like it does, but I, when you talk about amplifying the violence, are we there? Do we have to talk about? Should we talk about some? Do fight? we have to talk about the violent part? Okay, can the, I just first say something real quick? Part? Yes, you make it. Um, I think it is hilarious that conjuritis does not show up once once the battle gets See, going. That's right. See what. Like, it, I, and I, I, in my mind, I have decided that it's because there's all of this ambient magic and energy and all, because Harry talks about it all the time where it's so much easier to do magic and conjuritis was kind of a symptom of him using magic incorrectly or something. Um, so like that, that was just one of those things where I got, you know, almost to the end and I was like, when was the last time Harry sneezed? Like, so that? he sneezed an anvil on somebody's head or something. In yeah, this but it was like book, right before but, the battle really started. Yeah, but it was stupid. It was I, I thought it was hilarious. It, it was might hilarious. have been funny, and but it, was, it didn't mean it's it was necessary. It's hilarious because every time that happens, whoever is with him is like, "At your age, really?" Yeah, yeah. Well, the <laughs> other, but the other thing is, remember that when that happened, somebody came over and said, "Didn't you take something for it?" Yeah, I took a Benadryl. Take yeah. another. Yeah, we're only covering four hours. I know. If he took a Benadryl, the thing that surprises me is that at some point along the line, he didn't say. Oh, wait, no, he does over and over again. I was so tired. I was so tired. Yeah. I think that was the Benadryl talking. That's just me. Oh, yeah, I, okay. it might have, there were, it might have been funny, but I don't think it was remotely necessary. It would have been so distracting in the middle of the battle. Yes, it would have. And Harry didn't need any more of that. And if Harry had been played by Bruce Campbell, it would have been perfect. <laughs> but since I never see Harry as oh. being played by Bruce Campbell, I'm so glad. Yeah. All right. All right. Go battley things. Well, I not. <laughs> you should have seen that. Uh, you, you guys can't hear that. You probably heard it in her voice, but she just kind of gestured to us with this with this magnanimous gesture. Boys, go have some fun. Go battley things. <laughs> I didn't want to necessarily talk about the battle. I wanted to talk about the moment when Harry really decides that he will give in to the rage of the winter mantle because... No, I don't want to talk about that yet. I know you ready. don't want to, but we're not we're not we're not ready. Let's talk about a few okay, other things. We're, we're, I'm just saying we're you know. Let's let's talk about a few other things. I do want to talk about you know we mentioned before the pacing of this book. The pacing the the thing that makes the pacing work for me, and maybe it didn't maybe this isn't what worked for you guys, but the thing that made the pacing work for me was the juxtaposition of Harry's narration of what he's thinking and the description of what everyone around him is doing yeah. those two things and it made me it, it it took me back to when we were talking about this before these feel like journals mm -hmm. that's like he's talking to someone that's something i wanted to bring up with you because i decided that i don't think todd is necessarily so wrong in that theory wow i said it I don't think Todd is. Wow. I am starting Megan to looks sign as off. as I feel. I'm, I'm signing I'm off. I'm because I thought that was my theory, but okay. Was it? 
Well, I maybe I'm not. I'm I signing we, off. You know on what? Both I intended you. to listen to that first Dresden Files podcast that we did just to like get an idea to be like, oh yeah, remember when we all thought this and we were so wrong? I should. I didn't continue. I should have been Todd's idea. It could have been. I could have stolen I, it from him. I think, or I might. I may have stolen it from you, but I really do. I, the more that we read these, the more I am convinced these are journals. It's it's yeah. more of a recency thing than because he mentioned it in the last episode or two that he thought these were journals, and I went, ah, eh, whatever. We all blah. know you're the smart one, Megan. And yeah, because really well, you had brought up Merlin's journals specifically. Mm-hmm. That but sense. he said that I pointed to two specifically um, early in the book. What followed was one of those things I still have dreams about sometime. Uh, that's something you yeah. tell to somebody you're selling a story to. And then there was yeah. a, another one later and I can't find it now. But oh, he said, oh, what happened next would haunt me a while. He said it twice. Something to that effect. I'm like, those are kind of things you tell somebody when you're recounting something. Yeah. Butcher likes to throw those in every once in a while where it really does sound like he is talking to someone specifically. Yep. So I think you're both right. It's just kind of fun. I think you're, I'm going to give you both points for that. And I'm pretty sure once cool. we get to like book 25 or whatever, we're going to find out that he is telling. I don't necessarily think Maggie, although that would be interesting to have like. 23 year old Maggie hearing these stories from her dad as she's starting her training or something, or maybe she's telling it, or maybe he's telling it to some other wizard who has come in and saved the white council from itself. See, and it being Harry, I feel like it's going to be someone less significant like than that. Like he's sitting there just talking to Mr. Reminiscing over things before (laughs) the big bad, before like the last final battle, because this was a crazy huge battle, but this isn't the final battle that Harry's going to be a part of. No, it's not. Um, and so I just, I just see it being like, you know, talking to a bird in the graveyard. I don't know. Just something super random where he just needs to work through all of this and talk about all of this. I still maintain that Mr. Is not a garden variety cat. Well, and I'm going to stick to that until he dies. I think that, I think that no cat is a garden variety cat, especially because lately my cat has taken to trying to kill me. Well, that, yeah, that well, is. A, I'll, I'll fill you in on that. That no, is a garden variety nobody cat. Else cares. Anyway, nobody else cares. yes, I thought that the theory that these are journals was very apparent in in this one. So when we when we talk about the fighting, one of the one of the things that impressed me uh, about about the way this was done is that butcher does a butcher has done a really good job of looking into the different kinds of weaponry and battling styles that are involved. Yeah. We've got the she. With their razor sharp swords that are that are elfin like, mm-hmm. and that a simple a simple touch a simple slice leaves you turning to stone yeah. because of the infection that comes from those. We've so got wild, huh? we've got all of the the work that's being done with the shotguns that are all inside the bean. Hello, <laughs> I really need to go that check was, out this. I know this that was awesome. Now. I'm like, I need to really get inside cool the bean. Sculpture. The last time I was in Chicago, I had a choice: Cubs game or the museum. I went to a Cubs game. You better I have. That. So the next time that I go, I'm gonna have to go with enough time to do both because you can't go to the you can't go to Chicago without going to a Cubs game. No, I mean, there's just no. It's pro- a beautiful park. They have a lot of really oh, cool it's sculptures. So nice. I was. It, it was. I'm so happy that I've been there because it was kind of fun reading this book and being like, oh, yeah, no, this this all sounds familiar. And thinking about that park and the way that it was torn up. Mm-hmm. One of the things I hate about these kind of movies and books and why I'm glad I live in Utah, because I hate that kind of collateral damage. And it just upsets me because nothing happens in Utah. Nothing like that happens in Utah. Nothing That's like right. this happens in Utah. <laughs> That, that moment, of course, we so all, far. We all and now in, somebody's going to be like, oh, and now I'm writing a story where Utah gets blown up. And I'll I, just be I, like, 
I got to share. If you some... need help with that, let me know because I can help you with monuments. I'm surprised I'll, I'll, it hasn't I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about that later. So, um, I, I I think he does. A, I think he does a great job. I think it was beautifully done. Since we can't talk about the one yet, let's talk about some other great punching no, stuff. If we're getting close to the end, we could do that. But also, <sighs> there should, is great well, punching, and I know how much you love that, Ken. So much. Do we want to talk about? Marcone first, or do we want to talk about the Knights of the Cross first? The Knights of the Cross. Oh my gosh, Sonia <laughs> is so freaking cool, and <laughs> seeing seeing both of them step in, well, it kind of bleeds into what Megan doesn't want to talk about yet. But seeing I'll do it. seeing Sonia, we're we're gonna have to get there now. Anyway, I know. Seeing Sonia and Butters confront Harry while he is trying, actively oh. trying to not just kill Randolph. Randolph. Rudolph. Rudolph, thank you. I wanted but him to do it. to hurt him and kill him, and I wanted him to do it so bad. But I, to watch them step in and him, well, him fight them both off because he's got the winter mantle fueling his rage, but especially to watch Butters mm -hmm. stand in and say, this is not it, this is not the way. Karen would not want you to do this. We need the good guy, Harry. Oh. Man. Well, and then to see them fight Ethnew later and watch Butters get himself flattened and just go out. Well, and Butters, the whole statement of I am not alone. And then all yes. of a sudden you have just all of these people and all of this that comes in and Butters just knew. And he's, I mean, he's grown so much even in just like the last book and a half. Yeah. Where he's so much stronger yeah. than he ever knew. And he just like, he doesn't hesitate. He has no, he has all the confidence. He yep. just knows under yeah. the training of Sonya and the carpenters right? and having, you know, the shard blade is just in incredible Which burns Harry at one point, right? Because we all knew was happened because he's got the mantle. So because Harry was not just because he has the mantle. I don't think it was the mantle. I think it was Harry's state of mind at the time. Yeah, maybe it was the choices that Harry was making. Except when he comes back to the right mind, he still can feel that burn. Oh, absolutely. Because once you've been burned by it, I don't think I don't, I don't think it just automatically goes away because you're saying, oh, I'll be good now. No, you made a choice. You own the consequences of the choice. And in Harry's case, the consequences of the choice are you're going to carry a memory for a long time of when you made a choice, when you were in the actively making the choice yeah. to end someone else's life. I like that. In a, in a, in a manner that was inappropriate. I'm not talking about the fact that it was with magic. Yeah. I'm talking about the fact that it was that that in spite of how justified any of us might have felt as we read that, that it is, that it is not the way mm -hmm. and that what the, that what the focus needed to be at that moment in time was what Butters and Sonia were trying to help Harry understand. It doesn't matter one at, at, at this point in time, one Vendetta avenged results in all of Chicago gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And absolutely. When, and when Butters and when Butters is there and says, this isn't what Karen would want, you know, that's hard. That's hard. That's hard uh, medicine for Harry to take. Um, and it was hard for me to hear. And it was absolutely, absolutely accurate. Spot on. And I hate it because it, I mean, I, I don't want to talk about Karen's death because I'm afraid that we're going to distill it, like the, her whole story down to, oh, and she died at the wrong mm -hmm. time. And then 
it's all about Harry again because it's Harry's books. Well, what, you have a finger up, Ken. What's up? That's why I want to do this. Tell me, if, tell me what you guys think. Because we're pushing up against it, and I don't want to disrespect Murphy. Thank you. So I will kill you. I'm making an executive decision. We're going to cut this episode short. There we go. And we're going to make a second episode. Ladies and gentlemen, you may get a second Battleground episode. Yay! I'm making well, that decision. Decision you know, made. Considering that uh, this was only half a book, it really ought to get two episodes. <laughs> two episodes <laughs> for half a book. Wait a second. All right. Well, for that all math of you, doesn't work. For all of you who are, for all of you who are now saying, wait a minute. This is Dresden You can't math. stop like this. Nope. That's it. We just did.